Hello, this is Kalise. This is Kalise Exists, episode 5, series 2, and it is the 12th of the 11th, 2020. I'm sorry for the delay, I am going to try and get back into the regular Sunday spots. But I dragged in to count the votes, didn't I, you know? Which, you know, things are going bad when they ask me to do maths. I have none of you poor bastards had to stay up on election night, did you? Did you stay up? I hope you weren't staying up waiting for the votes. God, I got there first. I did myself a favour and I just went, ah, oh, the tango man's going to win. I'm going to go to bed, right? I did that so I wouldn't be disappointed. Us pessimists, we get a bad name from you optimists out there going, oh, can I stay positive? But here's the thing, right? We have, we enjoy more, us pessimists, than you optimists do. Because when something's crap, you go, oh, no, I thought everything was going to be fine. Whereas with us, if something's like slightly less crap than we think it's going to be, and bear in mind we think it's going to be awful, we're like, oh, that's amazing. I thought it was going to be catastrophic, but it's just crap. And that's that's great. So Joe Biden won the election, or Trump won, if you recently had a lobotomy. Poor old Trump. He's still in denial. That's not surprising if you looked at his hair. <laughs> Most of us, we get the barbers or the hairdressers. Trump gets his done at a candy floss machine. So he never touches it when it's wet. It sticks to his hands. I know this will get me in trouble, but to be fair, I think Trump has a point. Right? Okay, listen, hear me out, all right? I know what you think. You're going, you gone mad. No, look, here's the thing. If you only counted ballots marked for Trump, he would have won 100% of the vote. You can't argue with that, can you? <laughs> Trump is still trying to convince everyone he won and uh, Biden is finding out that he won uh, every 20 minutes. Biden, you won. Huh? What? I did? Oh, great. What happened? Uh, you won. I did? Great. And so on. Look, I've still got to work on my Biden impression. Now Trump's going. I mean, I was upset about that. I was like, oh, fuck, I've got to work on a new impression now, don't I? The greatest thing was not seeing the states come in, but to see all the supporters of Donald Trump slowly changing their colours. Oh, I will laugh. I love Trump, of course. Uh, who couldn't love a big flabby man with a Debbie Harry wig? Oh, well, ah. Uh, oh, what? Biden? Oh, uh, ah. Uh, yes, I uh, will. I always liked him too, uh, even though I once said, uh, well, uh, but uh, that Obama's uh, uh, didn't like Britain because of his ancestry. Uh, but of course, uh, you know me uh, for uh, always making pointless and uh, offensive uh, uh, racial remarks because, uh, well, uh, I uh, don't have anything else uh, important to say. I just do Boris Johnson impressions to pan out the show. Every time you try and do an impression of him, it takes about 20 minutes to have his authentic ah, will, ah, after every bloody word. Not even words, he doesn't have over letters. It's like he's been plugged into dial up internet from the 90s. Uh, yes, will, ah, 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 ah. Oh, is someone using the phone? Ah, oh, I always go a bit jittery when someone's using the phone. Ah, father, would you mind putting the phone down? I'm trying to offend another nation. Even Brazilian bully boy Bolsonaro has uh, turned on his Trumpy friend. 
sure they bonded over the fact that they both came out to say COVID was a load of bollocks and then got it themselves. Ah, oh, poetic irony, how I love thee. But my favourite is how Fox News has even turned on Trump. Even they've had to go, oh, yeah, you've gone too far now, mate. <laughs> it's like buying so many drugs, even your dealer goes, oh, mate, calm down. Oh, you're going you're gonna to go too far there, mate. I mean, I've sold crack to 12-year-olds, but even I've got out of line. No pun intended, of course. Meanwhile, Donny Boy and his campaign team have trumped up some theories about a mystical conspiracy to undermine the election, which is true. There is a conspiracy to undermine the election. There is. And it does involve delaying ballots. The thing is, it was orchestrated by the Republicans. The, uh, they keep going, oh, these delayed ballots, this is a bit dodgy, isn't it? Why are, they, why are the wait times so long? And oh, why all these, why didn't they count them earlier? Apart from the fact that uh, uh, Republican officials uh, made it that way. <coughs> uh, move on, can we? <laughs> it's like at school when someone would throw a bottle of water on your crutch and then go, look, he wet himself. He wet himself. Biden is a pee-pee face. We all know it. We all know it. My favourite thing is uh, reading the court minutes because, you know, they keep throwing in uh, court orders every five minutes. And outside, they're all all giving it the pick and like, oh, mate, mate, oh, I've got so much. I've got so much evidence of fraud, mate. Oh, you go nuts. Oh, Trump's had to get another tower just to fit it all in. Oh, Oh, I can't wait. I'll get this to court. And then I get to court and they go, <laughs> the judges are like, do you have any evidence of fraud? And I'm like, no. Uh, do you have any evidence of any wrongdoing? Uh, no. Just like that bloke is always like, oh, I could beat up anyone, mate. Oh, I'm well out. I am. And someone actually hard bumps into him. And they're like, you got a problem, mate? No, no, of course not. No, no. <laughs> always friends like to remind him afterwards. I thought you said you were hard. Oh, well, yeah, well, I could have hit him. Do, do you want to hurt him? Trump's main argument to prove fraud seems to be that he was up and then when the votes went on, he was then down. It's like going, I had this cake and then it went in my mouth and then it's gone. Who stole my cake? Come on, who stole my cake? Uh, no, you ate it. Yeah, fake news, fake news, fake news. I did not eat that cake. Someone, Biden, he took my cake, my tasty cake. So now uh, Trump and his supporters, you see his supporters, they were shouting uh, things like, stop the count, stop the count. Uh, places where they were uh, up and uh, places where they were down, they were shouting, keep counting, keep counting, count all the votes. To be fair, that's what I do every time I watch a football game. <laughs> Liverpool are up at half time. I'm like, that's it, right, that's it, close the game, close the game. If we're losing 2-1 and it's 90 minutes ago, right, 20 minutes of injury time, yeah? I think, you know, he grazed his knee for 30 seconds. I think, I think 20 minutes of injury time is fair. Trump is unable to accept that he's lost seats and he's lost votes that he previously won in the last election, which might have something to do with the fact that he's given all his supporters COVID. I admittedly am no political mastermind, but I'm pretty sure if you want to win an election, don't kill off the ones who actually want to vote for you. Say what you like about Joe Biden, but at least he knows that much. What I do love about Trump, though, is he's brought a lot of people together, purely through hating him. John McCain's wife was 
campaigning, right? This is a lifelong Republican. Republican royalty, these people are. She's campaigning for Biden. That's how you know he's a twat. And he did inspire people to vote. People who never really think about voting gone, oh, right, yeah, I've got to vote to get that twat out. It's not even about politics, I don't think. At least it shouldn't be. There's still people who seem to think it's about politics. But for me, it's not. Like, I can, I don't like his politics. But even if I did, you can't support a man who tells people to drink bleach. <laughs> Am I mad? I always thought that drinking bleach and promotion of jink drinking bleach was a bipartisan issue. Am I wrong? Maybe it is a left and right issue now, is it? Bloody left-wing people, right? You, you can't even drink a bottle of toilet duck anymore. It's political correctness gone mad. Problem is, even when he does finally get shifted out, and I think at this point, they should just, they should just fucking bop her over the head and drag him out. That'd be great. Just throw him into a skip with his gold toilet as Joe Biden brings in his pot plants. But he's broken down the walls of reality now, hasn't he? There's two people now. There's people who think this massive 1970s Gene Hackman conspiracy thriller is going on. And there's other people who know that the Democratic Party is too inept to pull off something of this size. But you can't go back now. Trump might as well put magic mushrooms into the water system. Maybe he did. It explained a lot. Although people with magic mushrooms, I think, are having a lot more fun. I've got to say... I actually feel sorry for some of his supporters. I know I shouldn't, but here's why. Because the amount of loyalty they're giving to this man right now, right, which is displaced, but the amount of loyalty they're giving to him, and he's gone out and he sent all these emails to everyone going, oh, we need money to fight the election fraud. But in the fine print, it clearly states that that's only for donations over five grand yes where does that money go under five grand you may ask well 60 percent 60 percent goes to basically pay off all the debts from the uh, trump campaign <laughs> you know just stuff like his hotel bills and all that crap yeah you know normal things that he should be draining out the supporters pockets the four other 40 percent that goes to the republican party yeah so it has to go over that amount for any money to go to the defence fund. And then hardly any of it does. So the whole thing, like it has been the whole time, it's just Trump trying to squeeze as many dollars out of these poor people as possible. I know I shouldn't go, oh, they're poor, but he is exploiting a load of people to empty their wallets. Surprising. It's almost like he was a snake oil salesman all along. <laughs> I'm starting to think. Biden wants him out of the White House, probably just give him 20 quid. <laughs> Trump be like, I will not concede that, hold on, what? Biden just shakes his hand. Okay. I, uh, I concede. Okay, bye. <laughs> Slip him 50 quid. I walk on. Give him enough to buy some, some fizzy pop and a couple of comic books. Oh, it'll be fine, that old Donnie. It's been a lot of people celebrating... And then people trying to go, oh, well, Bonnie's no different. Oh, they're all the same. Why are you celebrating? Bonnie's not going to fix anything. And they may be right. But I think they're just celebrating because you can't egg yourself up that much. You can't talk about how great you are, right, 
without people going, right, as soon as you fucking fall, mate, I am going to shit all over you. Doesn't matter what your politics are. If you go around like, oh, my dick's massive, when people find a picture and it's tiny, they're going to remind you. Meanwhile, in the world of COVID, Pfizer, the manufacturers of Viagra, have reportedly come up with a vaccine so that men will actually be able to use their erections. Boris and Trump are trying to claim some sort of credit for this vaccine, a bit like when you forget someone's birthday and then you beg your more thoughtful friend to let you sign your name on their card. Ooh, uh, 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 go on, Pfizer, please, if you could just uh, call it the Boris vaccine, I'd very much appreciate it. I think you owe me one, uh, especially after all the money me and uh, my friend Donnie have given to you for your lovely blue pill over the years. Let me have the vaccine and I promise to have plenty more affairs increasing Viagra sales over that 200%. Let's see how this vaccine does. Hopefully it works. But I think uh, Biden will try and delay it just so he can use COVID as an excuse not to shake Donald Trump's hand. Although when it comes to the switchover, let's be honest, Trump will probably go, here's my hand, ha-ha, only kidding, fooled you, you're a poo-poo face. Just to move back to the uh, election for a moment, many people wrote names down on the ballot, so if they weren't happy with who was on there, they go, you know, they'd write their own name of who they wish was on there. My favourite out of the list of people is Joe Pesci, because I agree. I think, yeah, make Joe Pesci... The president, right? They all act like gangsters anyway. You might as well have an actual gangster. He'd sort out any problem in the Middle East in five minutes, wouldn't he? Huh? Huh? I just... Huh? Huh? You motherfucker, you! You come over here with a bomb again. I'm going to cut you up. You motherfucker, you! President Bushy, uh, how are you going to deal with this COVID crisis? Huh? You asking me about the COVID? Huh? Huh? You asking me about the COVID? Huh? I tell you what I'm doing with the COVID. I'm gonna do the same for you. I'm gonna shove this pen right up COVID's ass and then up your ass too. <laughs> yeah, that's very funny. What'd you say? You think it's funny? I look like a clown to you? That was the last guy with the blonde hair and the orange face. But who knows? Maybe they will find something in this electoral fraud investigation. Maybe they will, and they'll also find Bigfoot, Elvis, and an original sized Curly Whirly. Now, part of the reason this took me so long to record was because the film for this week was bloody long. Three-hour-long film, which, when you're going to work and your biggest dream is just curling up into a ball and having a nap, it's quite a task. So stay with me as we explore Halliwell's Odyssey. So in this episode of Halliwell's Odyssey... We're going to look at the film Arn from 1952. It is an Indian film and it is the first film in the series that isn't French. Now, Bollywood is probably the film industry I have least experience with, I would say. Apart from uh, films from San Marino or um, Greenland. Don't know a lot about those either. But in terms of its style, it's something that uh, I'm still learning about. And that's a good thing about this, is it's encouraging me to... Expand my knowledge. So, on from 1952, uh, it's 190 minutes long. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in this book, in the book, it mentions the English version 
dubbed into English, which I couldn't find. Which, although it was shorter, I probably, oh, I wouldn't want to watch really bad dubbing. You know, you know it would be like Indian characters and the voice would be like, hi, yeah, hi, how are you doing? I am. <laughs> you know, it's some awful, the lips flapping and some going, yes, you killed my father. I hate you for that. So the description here, a usurping young prince and his sister are tamed by an athletic peasant and his girlfriend. <laughs> Which I think, even seeing the film, yeah, that's a strange way of describing it. They then go on to the little mini-review is, one of the few examples to reach the West of Indian costume melodrama with music, spectacle and swashbuckling. Distinctly intriguing, if overpowering. Uh, then the quote is, disarmingly enthusiastic, exotic and yet and yet charmingly naive however there is an uh, uh ellipses between enthusiastic and exotic which it could be anything in between it could be disarmingly enthusiastic and i wanted to shoot myself um i never never trust a film review or quote with an ellipses anywhere but yeah it's basically it's a melodrama it's quite sort of soapy mixed with a kind of sort of zorro sort of Errol Flynn swashbuckler. And then, of course, you know, loads of sort of random music and dance scenes. The annoying thing is, the version I saw, they had no subtitles for the songs. So I couldn't really work out if, you know, that it was just sort of a random song, because uh, it kind of felt like that, but I couldn't, I didn't have any subtitles. So they could have been giving things about the character and describing the situation, but I don't know. But it sounded nice. That was the first thing that hit me was the music. Uh, both the songs but also the score and then looking into it that was something uh, a lot of people mentioned apparently it's got like a hundred piece orchestra which for its time was uh, quite extraordinary and it does give it this kind of grand epic feel Cecil B. DeMille was even a fan of the film Cecil B. DeMille uh, if you don't know he made a lot of big grand religious epics um, of the gone Hollywood era uh, such as the Ten Commandments and it has that vibe to it it has that sort of Hollywood melodrama feel to it. Now, the male lead, played by the legendary Bollywood actor Dilip Kumar, who is the last surviving male actor, supposedly, of um, the golden Bollywood era. He's like 97, I think. But he plays a sort of Errol Flynn-type swashbuckling hero. But I find him quite hard to uh, embrace in modern times because your introduction to him is him threatening to drop a woman down a well if she doesn't help him and uh just mainly being a dick and bullying uh a character who's meant to be sort of uh i wouldn't use this term but or like the simple character he's meant to be like the comic relief and he treats him like shit he uh treats all the women like shit uh until they they start swooning for him he's like aha look at me i'm so sexy i'm gonna force myself on you and then eventually go oh okay maybe you're great so the errol flynn uh, connection is strong and the film is basically him sort of running around, showing off how great he is. You know, lots of swinging, which I love. I miss those in movies. You know, the swashbuckling swinging, it's grabbing a rope and swinging between windows, you know, from one window of a lover to the another window of a lover. There's this really brilliantly silly bit where uh, he breaks into the princess's uh, house, basically, to try and seduce her. And uh, all the guards come out and he's, like swings his sword around and cuts off half of one of the guard's eyebrows and 
cuts off a bit of mustache and they all go, ooh, and their eyes go big. It's, it's quite funny. Apart from the score, the other thing I really enjoyed about the film was Nimi's character. Nimi was a massive Bollywood star at the time. She was nicknamed the Unkissed Girl of India because during a premiere of um, Arn, she actually met Errol Flynn, who, as I said, you know, his films definitely were influenced on this. And Errol Flynn tried to kiss her hand. And she said, I'm an Indian girl. You cannot do that. And she does have this really strong spirit to her. I think, you know, they, they try and make her as like, oh, she's crazy. You can never love her because she's like meant to be a sort of, I think she's meant to be the sort of the kooky sort of eccentric spinster. But she's actually just really cool and ballsy and funny. Um, there's a bit, she grabs a sword and she's like, I'll fucking fuck you up, basically. <laughs> And one thing I'll take from this is that I'm definitely going to try and watch some more of her films, uh, more films by Nimi. I think what I would say about this film overall is although it is definitely historically important uh, in many ways in terms of cinema, it had the biggest budget of any Bollywood film at the time, it made the most money both domestically and internationally of any Bollywood film of the time, and uh, you know sold overseas and probably started that market. And with City World uh, closing, probably until they did finally decide to release the Bond film, uh, the problem with that is that City World was one of the main distributors of Bollywood films in the UK. And uh, there is a big market for that here, and a big audience for that. And so it would be a shame if uh, Bollywood fans in England um, couldn't see the films on a big screen. But going back to Arn, had many technical achievements, for its time, it was the first Indian film to be shot in Technicolor. Well, gave the colour, but then it was blown up into Technicolor. So not officially Technicolor, but <laughs> had a lot of technical achievements. Uh, you know, there's a lot of big battle scenes, uh, big sets and things like that. And there's, you know, characters and segments to it that do have its charm and are, you know, are enjoyable. But I think I wouldn't recommend it unless you were interested in... Uh, the history of Bollywood, or, you know, some sort of diehard addict of uh, old swashbucklers. So, yeah, they gave it one star, and out of four, I probably would have to agree with that. I, I maybe go two stars, but I'm worried I'm being too nice in this, so I'm going to give it one star, I'm afraid. But I could have given it no stars, so, you know, it's technically two stars. <laughs> okay, thank you for joining me. I really enjoyed doing this. It's a great way for... Uh, me to keep in touch with my brother's spirit. You know, I feel like he's still showing me films in some way. So I really appreciate you listening. Okay, well, stay in, stay the fucking door as much as you can. Although I'm having to go physically into work each day, so I can't really say anything about that. But apart from that, don't let the bastards grind you down. Let's do this again sometime. <laughs>